What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to a Monday edition of the Dogs Football Podcast. Another post-game recap edition, and this is one that goes down in the record books. I want to say it's one of our biggest wins. I, I want to say 2010 comes off the rip for me. People are mentioning 2012 as well. First time shutting out an opponent in this fashion. A 63-0 to blanking of the Leathernecks of Western Illinois, cementing our final matchup against them as Missouri Valley opponents. I'm Nick Mullen, joined by Noah Lurch, and Noah, it was a thrashing. We were talking what the spread could be. We were saying, what, 20, I told you on the on the preview, I was, what, 21 and a half, and you said 28 and a half, and that's what it was. Noah, we did not expect to just trounce them like this. We'll just dive into small parts of this game throughout, just things we liked, some dogs of the game and such, but it wasn't the prettiest beginning of it. We still had our flaws in this game, but it's nothing like even Murray where we came out like, oh, man, it was, you know, it wasn't everything we should be proud of. But, no, this is one of the biggest wins we can remember. What's going on? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a game you had to have. You had to – you wanted to go in and just dominate the opponent like everybody else has, and you did something nobody else could. I mean, everybody else allowed – Looks like around seven points, if you, like I talked about in the preview, and you shut this team out. Hopefully that's our last trip ever to Macomb, unless they somehow, which I could see if they get in the OVC and they can build a program and obviously compete in a, a conference like that, I think they will right away with the Lindenwoods and the Easterns and the Simos of the world. They'll be just fine. But this is a, where you had to you had to show who's – what kind of team you are and our offense showed up a little bit and we got to see a lot, a lot of guys play that we've been itching to see play and look pretty good out there. So um, it's one you had to have and you, you got it done. Yeah, it was. And we knew whatever Nick Hill was saying, whatever the coaches were saying in the pregame about they're going to treat this like every other game. It's like, no, you're not like, I think, they have to say that it's all the cliches we continuously hear, but you know, this is different. This is, you had to look at this game as one you can't slip up on and you can't have even, we we beat Murray by three touchdowns, but again, that game was not satisfying one bit. There were too many bad moments and they came out firing and Nick Hill kind of, you know, he was asked today in the press, of course, Jake Siegel, did you expect to thrash him like this or whatever word he used? He's like, no. But as much as you would like to each opponent, but that wasn't the case. This was definitely surprising. I didn't. No one expects to win by this much, and definitely shut them out in the process of this. But that is the season Western had, you know, has had to this point. It is a reason why they are stepping down a level. So as you said, they could, you know, be a factor in that OVC with some interesting teams. Uh, but definitely this year is not theirs, and they haven't been successful in a long time. We talked about that. You talked about that stretch that they said from the '80s to early 2000s. They, they had our number. We've had their number ever since then. Um, hit bits in this game. We know that Deontay ended up playing. Uh, of course, he had good moments. He was feeding off. Ever since he's been back, he's played well. South Dakota State played well. This game had a big catch before he got hurt. We talked about him, what he was doing at halftime. Uh, no, I mean, it's a dominating game. Nick Hill said that they had a great week of practice. You know, it was Coming off the loss that they had, you can tell, like, okay, we know we can play with this team. Let's show the rest of the season that we maybe want to have a rematch against these guys one day. You know, I think that's the kind of mindset they have. That's kind of what Nick Hill said. Other than that, though, no, it was just a game, as you said. A lot of young guys came in. That's the name of this. It's the biggest success story coming from it. Nick Baker only played one half, played well, besides the first, you know, couple possessions and one that 
he fumbled on on our first possession, trying to extend a third down, which would have got us around midfield and was fourth and short. And you have that in the back of your, you know, in your back pocket, knowing that even if you punted, you know, you pin them at least just a little bit, and they'd have to go downfield. Like you didn't have to do too much in that moment. And Nick Baker did. And he fumbled, gave it back to him. But of course, it didn't matter. They had downs. And that's continuously what happened. They had downs again and they punted almost the rest of the game. No, I mean, they fumbled here throughout as well. They had some moments, but our defense just, you know, stymied them at parts of this game. Noah Sean Lester was incredible on this one. No Romeo Elliott again. We found out today he could have played in this game. We can definitely expect him in the next one. But no, overall, again, I mean, just throughout this, when we finish it up, talking about it, that there were some things, had some injuries. There's some other things just to take from But your initial – uh, you know, you were busy that day. You said you were keeping up with it. So as far as you know, keeping up within that game before, you know, I watched most of it. I can talk about it after you. But your your first initial things of this game and what stuck out to you, clearly I just said the aforementioned LaShawn Lester had a career day. Yeah, definitely showing Sean that uh, we've been talking the last couple of weeks and even Nick Nick Hills mentioned without Roe Elliott, you got to get LaShawn going, and they definitely have. I mean, we saw Justin – break a couple big ones, the big one at Murray, then now LaShawn's broke a couple of his, I mean, 10 carries for 139, three tutties, 13.9 yards a carry. That's just, O-line did an exceptional job. I mean, it just overmatched in the trenches both ways. We just overmatched them and seeing him, I mean, Benefield, seven for 40. He had five yards of carry. Justin had nine for 29 for three yards of carry. Nick, even though the one he fumbled on, he was he had two for 14 for seven. We had, as a team, 34 carries for 228, 6.7 yards a carry. Offensive line did their job in this one. This is what we need to see because, I mean, I think overall we scored a couple quick ones, so possession time um, ended up in more of Western's favor. But we need to see where we can get 34 carries and limit Nick Baker I mean, in the first half, only 17 attempts, then Hunter Simmons in his third quarter. Only 10 attempts, only 27 pass attempts, and just be able to run the ball because in some of these games, we're going to have to control the clock, and that's what we want to see, and definitely did it in this one, and we did it in Murray. I think you tweeted at one point about hopefully having a goal as a as a, as an offensive line for rushing. Didn't hear anything about that yet, but if they did, I hopefully they met it. Yeah, they have to have it in games like this. I think if you're going to do it against Murray, who had a, yeah had a terrible rushing defense. Western's one of the one of the worst teams in the country. Uh, so you have to have those little bitty goals in games like this because, again, parts of doing a game like this, if you kill a team, it's like well you killed so and so. Uh, you know what you can take a lot from it and such, but then you know if you barely squeak squeak by, it'd be you know you lose confidence going into your your next games and such. But um, overall, it can be a good thing or a bad thing beating a team this bad. Looking ahead, but this is a game where you're clicking on all cylinders every single place. So that's where it's like okay, your confidence is great. It gives people like Sean Lester confidence that. He'll be a factor the rest of the year, no matter if Roe Elliott's playing or not. Like, you just need a group effort. You need complimentary football. You need everybody to stay ready. Luckily, Sean was. I mean, even after that fumble drive, it was it was kind of like how it was against Murray. It was it's different in their own way. It was the the series before we fumbled, and then Sean first play sixty four yards, and then we know Justin two weeks ago had they had the false start, and then he knew the hole and he found it as well. So 
were able to break off a lot of long runs against these bad teams. The offensive line were able to feast off these other defensive lines. But yeah, overall, it was, you know, besides Sean score, we mentioned how Deontay had a couple catches. And then, it, you know, he even on what the third or fourth drive, third drive, he came out. He had a deep play and caught it, ran along the sideline. It was a 50-yard play. He got tackled from behind at the three-yard line, and then he was gimpy when he came up, and he immediately went off, and we're like, okay, it's going to be a continuous thing with Deontay. He's he's fighting like hell. We, we tweeted he's the tough, one of the toughest dudes we've ever seen. The fact that you said earlier he could be on a torn ACL right now, and, and you know we've seen people play on it before that – I've seen quarterbacks play on it like Phillip Rivers in the NFL, but not a receiver who needs his speed, but he's just getting hurt every time. But luckily it was a game where he didn't have to come back in. And to finish off that drive, Zach Gibson came in and made an incredible like high catch play along the left part of the sideline near the pylon to reel it in. Incredible play. Again, we've talked a lot about Zach Gibson before the season and he should have just been playing more. Nick Hill said they don't want to take the top three guys off the field, but with how much banged up everybody's been, Zach Gibson should have been used a whole lot better. Missouri State in this game are pure indications of that. But other, you know, that was a good sight to see with with Zach. But, you know, other than that, it was, you know, Isaiah was catching deep. That was the name of the first half for Nick, was throwing it deep. Isaiah and Deontay were living off of it. And then we're able to finish drives. Justin got in the end zone. I mean, other than that, it was tons and tons of touchdowns. Isaiah scored and such. But, no, again, it was – we knew this was a game. You texted me at first, and we I was definitely thinking throughout watching. If this was going to get out of hand, clearly we knew we were going to see the backup quarterbacks. And, yeah, Nick only played the first half, and then Hunter came in. Uh, and then Michael Endauer came in at the very end. But, uh, no, what would like you like from Hunter if you're able to stream? And, I mean, clearly he's he's dual threat. He's big. I, I forget that he's 6'4". And these are valuable snaps for him, clearly, because – after Nick Baker's gone next year, Hunter Simmons will be probably the leading candidate, clearly in-house. It's not even close. Leading candidate to be our next starting quarterback, barring what they do in the portal now. But, no, I liked what I saw from Hunter. And he was connected on a guy that we really like also in the second half for a touchdown. But, no, I mean, even in 10 attempts, I mean, he was doing pretty well. He was rolling out a little bit, extending plays. And we like what we saw from Hunter. He definitely has a bright future. Nick Hill likes him a lot. If Nick Hill likes a quarterback, he's going to stick with him. No, what else did you like from Hunter and everybody else? Yeah, definitely, definitely loved what I've seen from Hunter. I mean, being being his his height, I mean, uh, just getting to watch him at high school in our backyard at, at at the place in his senior year, he transferred from Mount Vernon to Marion, and really got to put on tape. And luckily, SIU, he turned down some preferred walk on spot of FBS programs to sign with SIU, and hopefully that works out for him because this kid. I mean, he has a he has a great ceiling, and it can definitely work out for him. He's going to compete. Obviously, looks like he's he's QB two, so he beat out Lindauer already this year. So with more another year under his belt, can't see why he can't do it and potentially be the starter next year. Yeah, we don't want to talk about it too much now before this season's over, but I think it should get us excited, hundred percent. If he gets a full off season, he should be the guy. Like I said, all depending what they do in the portal. It gets now to the point where you can't turn down guys if they're there. But I, we, like we said, Nick Hill likes Hunter Simmons a lot. So he played well. Uh, you know, some other tidbits of this game before Hunter started dialing up some other guys in the second half. We saw even in the first half and we were up three touchdowns. Should have scored again. It didn't take us long after the fact to score again. But going, uh, you know, nicely downfield. And then Ryan Schwindeman, who has had a lot of 
instances and games, either he, you know, not playing NIU, SEMO, we had a, a lot of different ops and Austin P got one taken off the board and it was my bold prediction for him to get. Cause it, you know, that's a guy I just love a lot. I love his size and his, he's fast and quick. He's just a good player and we haven't used him to the utmost at times. He's been a good blocker and such, but which, by the way, we haven't seen Aiden Quinn in a long time, like getting used in certain ways. So it's interesting how they kind of went away from that. This reminded me of the other tight ends, but Ryan had another fumble around the goal line. He caught it. I haven't seen it yet. You said you saw it. It was a similar play like C-Mode where he just gets the out and and takes it as soon as he turns around. He gets It wasn't exactly like you said. It wasn't exactly like two guys coming on to, to pile it out, but he loses it nonetheless, and they recovered at the goal line. Gave right back to us, and we scored nonetheless. But that was something to take away from this. Ryan Schwindeman has uh, ball security issues around the red zone, which is where we want to use him most. So hopefully they don't totally go away from him, but it's clearly clear as day that he needs to touch that up, and definitely they've talked to him about it, I'm sure. Uh, going back to Deontay, because we were tweeting about him at the moment, and Noah, he was on the sidelines. He came out in street clothes after, and we both saw it. He was liking our tweets, so he had his phone on the sidelines, which is funny and definitely not allowed, I'd say – I don't know if anyone knew about that. They probably wouldn't like it after the fact. But other things to take from this game besides, you know, Schwindemann in that regard, Jalen Reed had a 40-yard punt return, which was great. He got to the sidelines, dapped up one of his players. I forgot in the moment watching it that, of course, that's where we got him from. Uh, so that was good. He got a little revenge versus old team. Uh, Injury-wise, coming out of this, Nick Hill touched on it today. The only thing we saw was Cade Stevenson, a key special teamer. He's a solid player. We like him a lot. Um got banged up, hurt his shoulder or his arm. And I could, I knew at the moment seeing on TV, they were just showing, you know, a certain camera and you could just see him off the field with his arm dangling to the side. And you just kind of knew it. And they posted from yesterday, you know, the trick or treating and stuff that they did in the arena that some of the freshmen were there and he was there in a sling. So that's confirmed that Cade's probably out for a while, you know, unless he plays near playoff time, that's in about four or so weeks if he's ready for that. But we'd say he's not, going to play again. So we'll see who steps up on special teams in that regard. Like I said, Cade's really good. So um, other than that, I mean, Noah, again, Caden Reeves got his first sack – or Peyton, Peyton Reeves, excuse me, got his first sack, which was cool. Nick Hill was asked and talked about him, how much he's worked, and interior guys don't get those kind of hops before. But, no, a lot of other true freshmen showed out offensively and defensively, a receiver and edge rusher notably. Uh, talk about – who they were clearly and especially on the offensive end, he tweeted about his quarterback and what they can be as a duo. No, we like, we like him a lot. And that defensive player could, both of those guys could be immediate impactors next year. Yeah. Obviously we've been high on him and we're probably one of the most excited we've been for a prospect. I mean, Alan Middleton, I mean, he comes in the game and he gets, he gets three catches, 35 yards in his first career touchdown and it was also Hunter Simmons' first career passing touchdown. So on the same play, seeing two six one eight guys, you tweeted about it, get their first touchdowns is pretty cool. Um, just big time play. He's going to be special if we're able to see what he can do. I think he could potentially help this team already down this stretch. The way he's playing and defensively, I mean, we were high on this kid too. Amir Dwight, just one of those guys where he's going to be. At his size, already as a true freshman, he continues to get that body right. He had already had four total tackles, a tackle and a half for TFL and a sack. I mean, these freshman class, we've been talking about these freshman class, but this we talked about this last one a lot. Um, and some of the other freshmen that are part of that class haven't even got to see their 
one game and they're four out of their four games yet. So we'll see if any happen down the stretch here. Um, obviously, we could use maybe some to replace Cade Stevenson on special teams here, but definitely excited about those two and other guys in that class. Yeah, and even like we haven't seen much of Carmelo Smith. We haven't seen much of Jamon Mathis after the fact. It, it shows what they think of Amir to put him in the game. Maybe those guys were in the game. We know Lewis, <clears throat> excuse me, was on the other side of Amir. Saw Stephen Green do good things. Saw clearly Ben Bogle, who led the team in tackles, was good in this game. He got interviewed after. Uh, we saw you know, a brand new phase of, you know, offensive linemen. Saw a brand new five out there after the fact. And, um, you know, that was most notable because we didn't see the likes of Jimmy Lansing, who we thought was kind of the next in line. We saw everybody else, you know, Saley's and Aiden Logan and John Nally. Colin Smith played a left tackle, which we're not sure on Colin about, you know, because he seems like he's hurt. He didn't travel at first in the season, but when he dresses, he's out there. And we just like his size, but he hasn't came to fruition. We were hoping Jimmy Lansing could get that spot. But other than that, Saul, you know, it's good to see those guys get in the game and do decent. I mean, we talked about how we didn't see Caleb Wagner. We did see Jim, Jimmy Athens got some run near the end of the game, which that's even a guy of that aforementioned class from this past year that I think has definitely a bright future, special teams and even in the backfield potentially down the road. But yeah, some of those other guys we haven't seen. We've seen a lot of Jameer Khan, as we know, his red shirt. He's around the four-year brink mark. I'm, I'm want to say they'll throw it off and potentially. He's been on special teams. He could be a full-time replacement of K, but they have a lot of different options for that. It was just good to see Jeff Wells and guys like that get in the game. Jeff Wells actually was around the ball whenever – I forgot who else it was, but around the ball to where one of the running backs fumbled, and guess who was there to pick it up and take it? 43 yards on the fumble return touchdown, Desmond Hearns. He's a ball hawk. He always knows where it is. So he scored on that. One of those other ones was Sean Lester getting another 39-yard run. So it was just a great, great overall game to watch the young guys shine. You know, it could have been an easy one where we just kept retweeting stuff, but I I liked being able to sit there and tweet about all these other guys, like a Stephen Green who hasn't played much, but he was active. I actually liked what I saw from Stephen. So just a lot of different things to take from – this game itself uh, and all these guys stepping up, as we've said, <clears throat> Noah, I mean, ended up, you already said most of it with the offensive box. Well, I said Ben Bogle led us in tackles. If you wanted to just, if anything else is on there that stuck out to you, you kind of already said much, but overall, who do you think was the dogs of the game in this one? We could give it to the guys who just got interviewed at the end, but who, who are the dogs to you? Yeah, definitely think, I mean, obviously defensively stepping up, Ben Bogle being that guy. I mean, we knew this, we talked about this kid when he, came in here I mean being the being the linebacker he was coming out of down in Florida and just leading the state of Florida in total tackles a senior year ranked 15 nationally and led the state of Florida with 19 sacks I mean at 6'2 I mean this it's not like he was undersized and under recruited don't know how we got this guy but credit to whoever was that coach to find him because this kid's the next stud in this linebacker room we've had him We've had the Bryson Strongs, the Bryce No Trees, the Branson Combs. Well, now it's going to be Ben Bogle because you're going to see this guy more on the field down the stretch because he can help us. He's always bull rushing, running over offensive linemen, getting sacks. I mean, he's going to help us down the stretch this year and for three more years after this. He's got a big old transformer arm out there too. So he he's just strong and a stud. He's, he looks like Tarzan and he kind of plays like the reckless abandon. Like that kind of thing. He is special, and he did lead us in tackles. Yeah, P.J. was behind him, but it was good to see all those guys get off the field of the likes of P.J. Uh, Vinny Pierre played well. We mentioned Jalen Banks. 
want to see him more. He had two tackles. Dewey had a sack along with the other guys. And Ben, yes, had that sack himself. So we predicted uh, Devin Cowan and uh, Tim Barger to do much, but they didn't have to do anything. We were hoping for some sacks in this game. Got a couple, uh, clearly, but not of those kind of calibers we got them out quick so just a drubbing of a game like I said it was our first we shut out you know this is our first shutout of a conference foe of winning by this much since 2012 and we did it against uh Western in that same kind of fashion so um yeah it was a game we needed to have as you said from the beginning it was a no-nonsense kind of leave no doubt kind of win so that hopefully confidence can propel us uh, you know, going into, you know, clearly the next game, the next two games are massive. We'll get to that near the end, and you'll talk about it at the end of the week. Uh, quickly, NFL former Salukis. I saw Hold on, real Browsies. quick. Go ahead. Real quick, sure. one more shout out before we wrap this game up. We give him a lot of a lot of slack, but Torney and his three points, yep. 45.7 yards. Heck, even Chase Reeves on his one punt, 42 yards and one inside the 20. Uh, uh, we give Torney a lot of slack. He, he, he was really good in those three opportunities he got. I'm glad you said that because I was actually – I didn't add that to our script and I was going to talk about that. It slipped my mind. But, yes, 56 yarders. He was really good. Ever since the last two games, he's been really good. And clearly we're going to need that. I mean, he, had, he has no choice but to play well. So, I'm, hopefully that is something that rang true to him and – it is great to see him playing well. Like I said, we need that the rest of the way. So good job on shouting him out. Shout out to Horny. Maybe it's those uh, those gold cleats he's wearing. Who knows? But that that is a proper button, I think, on this game. Good job. Um, nothing much. Zach Zabrowski is doing great things for Central Missouri. Still don't have stats in front of me. That just hit me a former guys. But the only NFL Saluki that did anything this week was Michael Pruitt. He had a catch for three yards in the loss for sure. Titans know you were there. You saw him. You said that even – uh, another tight end was trying to tell me what happened to Michael. Michael could have done even better in this game. You said, yeah, he could have had a touchdown in this one. Uh, they, they had him on the line of scrimmage and they had John U Smith lined up in the running back spot and uh halfback tossed to John U and they, they snuck Michael out like they usually do. Like the Titans always did under Arthur Smith and John U threw it probably where J- Michael kind of gave up on the route. He didn't, fully get into the end zone where he should have been probably where John who threw it or expected him to be, uh, but could have had a touchdown on this one, but uh, yeah, he did have the one catch in the loss. Yeah. He, he's, he's just a red zone threat. They need to use him more in that sense. Since they're not going to use a whole lot of other tight ends on that team, notably Pitts, but he's the only one that had anything. Ryan, we said played on Thursday, Craig James didn't get anything for the jets. I think he's still on the team. He just didn't get a, any runs or I guess if they weren't going to list special team tackles, I didn't see anything. And then we know Jeremy's hurt. So quick thing on those guys this week uh, around the FCS, other scores before we dive into the Valley uh, uh, did see Simo barely beat Nichols on the row. That was a big win for them though. If they, you know, stayed, you know, their non-conference is what it is, but they're still undefeated in conference, as we've said. Uh, there was a big one, if I'm scrolling, to try to – William & Mary barely beat Monmouth, so those are teams that are barely hanging on to stay where they are near the top. Uh, but Idaho did beat Montana State, which is a huge game. They beat them by three. Uh, wasn't able to watch it, you know, fully, but just the fact that there's two great teams going at it, Idaho getting that home win to make the standings what they are. We'll get to those – in a second, but I'll dive into the, the Valley scores and then we'll do, we'll do the standings because now it's full-on standings watch as we get to only three games left for everybody. It's a big deal, and we're where are we at after you get to what happened this past week? 
Yeah, definitely. And the one other game to help us get where we were at for the rankings this week was Mercer uh, upset Western Carolina. So that helped us out in the rankings. But in the Valley, uh, we had you and I go on the road and beat Illinois State 24-21. So Theo Day gets it gets the job done on the road into a tough place to play. So that's going to help their uh, resume out and continue, hopefully get to the, potentially that seven wins mark where they usually let them sneak in with that seven wins. North Dakota, we've been talking about these pesky sycamores, and it wasn't at home this time. It was on the road. North Dakota, it takes overtime for them to beat the Sycamores, 36-33. Youngstown takes care of Missouri State at home, 44-28. Youngstown's playoff soap's still alive. Uh, Murray State goes up to Fargo for their first trip to the Fargo Dome, 38-6. Could have probably been a lot worse than the the big one everybody thought of the week. South Dakota State versus South Dakota, 37-3. So, um our opponent this weekend couldn't get the job or keep close like we did at home. So that's very interesting to me. Um, Definitely told you today, I want to go back and watch that game before I preview them on Friday, because definitely like to see what they did that they struggled with, which we had success against the Jackrabbits. Yeah. The fact that they were up three, nothing, they scored those first three points and then it was 37 unanswered. The Jackrabbits did not hold back. And it is interesting. Yeah. That, you know, Gronowski didn't even throw a touchdown, but had a pick, you know, they didn't do much, you know, they, well, they spread the ball big time in terms of on the ground, but I think it was just a lot of mistakes going to South Dakota that yeah. Bowman, who you'll preview at the end, he had two picks and they didn't really just do much. I think South Dakota state's defense just absolutely dominated. So Again, we'll get to the rankings in a second, just about what, you know, what us and them were able to do at home against the Jackrabbits and who did better in that sense. We we will talk about South Dakota and their resume and their wins are really good. But that was that was definitely interesting and shocking how that happened. Definitely expecting a lot better in that uh, standings wise. We know South Dakota State's still undefeated at five and oh, South Dakota is right behind the four and one. So, you know, they're still right behind them. You and I is that four and one as well. And then North Dakota and Youngstown three and two, and as well as the Bison at three and two, and here we are as well. And then two, two and three teams, one and four, and the Indiana State and Western are zero and five. So we're still fighting in this thing, but we have two big games left, fighting with teams that are around us. We'll see how that comes near the end. Uh, quickly with some rankings, uh, for the most part, you know we're around eight, nine, ten, eleven. Uh, same herder uh, had us at whatever. Uh, FCS Fans Nation Radio had us at eight, um, but the actual, what is this? The AFCA had us at 11, uh, South Dakota right behind us. Uh, what is this? FCS, I think this is Young Bloods. They changed to FCS Football Central or something. They had us at at 10. That's where Stan Beckton, Stan Beckton, I think he said he had us at 11. So barely on the outside looking in, a lot of other people had it. The highest who had us was Jamie Williams. I listened to their pod today. You know, they're high on us still. They talk about our Massey rating and our strength of schedule, but just how we're the only team to really play with the, the Jackrabbits outside of Montana State. So a lot of people have took that with us. So that's good that the, the media people are giving us. Joe, Joe DeLeon had us at eight as well. So that's where we are. Like I said, we're around where South Dakota is. You know, whoever played the Jackrabbits better at home, we only lost by seven. They lost by whatever that was, 28. So we'll see just how it happens leading into this week. Nick Hill's presser, he said, Roe Elliott is 100% back. 
as we say, could have played against Western and went through extensive pregame work workouts, but he will be ready to play. And he touched on the 618 boys. And then I won't touch on it today, but just my thoughts on Noah Finsky. His interview was incredible with Luke, honestly. He went through all the things he said he was going through with anxiety and everything about losing weight. You know, we, we're missing out on him this year in this, you know, go for it season because he's talking about he's breaking the clean record for the offensive linemen in the weight room. Talk about, you know, the fact that we were able to be in on him a long time ago, had his brother here, he decommitted, but Northern Iowa, and that was a big factor as we confirmed, but uh, you and I was in on him. South Dakota state was in on him in the portal and everything and everything he's gone through it. You said it already re retweeted. It is incredible. It's an hour long, impressive interview by Noah. You learn a lot from that. I'd like to talk about it more down the road, but no, before we wrap this thing up quickly, I just wanted to, before you talk about the coyotes on the next one, uh, just, my quick thoughts on and what you'll reiterate near the end is the fact that how big this game is. We said, you know, the Jackrabbits was the biggest game of the year and they're all in their different way, but this game for sure, because it's got a lot of playoff implications on the line. You have this game at home. It's a team that's ahead of you in conference standings and all that stuff. It is, this is the most important game of the year with the playoff picture. And, you know, I feel like it's worth pressurizing whether the team will do that or not, but we can as fans, uh, you know, the fact that this should this could have been one of the games of the week. There are some other great games. But we could we could in this next week have back to back games of the week, whether they are or not, because just we know no matter what people are able to do at the Fargo Dome, the fact that that game will be behind the eight ball a lot. I think we could win that game, but that's why this upcoming game is ever so important. Uh, I'll text you at some point, you know, at the end of the week, what predictions are. Um, itself, but as we know, if we lose, if we lose this game and then lose to the Bison, seven and four will be sweating at the absolute out of Selection Sunday, and your chances aren't looking great at seven and four, knowing how competitive a lot of other teams are. Uh, we need to make a statement at home, and obviously, if you run the table, that can get you a top eight seed. We know we have a chance in all these games, these last three games, in that sense. So, again, it couldn't be in any more perfect matchup. We thought South Dakota was going to be just down this year, and they are everything but. It will be tough for sure. Um, I I definitely expect this to win. But like I said, you'll talk about what I have at the end of the week. No, your your final thoughts on this overall episode of drubbing the Leathernecks for the last time. What we liked, everything about this. Final thoughts. Yeah, definitely one you had to have and do it in an impressive fashion because uh, the Murray State one, and it's always great to see um, what our defense does is showing up every week and, and becoming one of the best in the country. And after this results of the weekend showing that we're the one, one of the only teams that can hang with those le or with those uh, jackrabbits with what happened around the league. So just then things we got to keep going. I mean, just if I were gonna nitpicking and this is one we got to continue, we've been harping on this stat right here in this game, you win the score you did 63, nothing. You're still three of 10 on third down offense. You got to do something. They were four of 18. So our defense is playing their asses off, but offense on third down, still not good. Converting at 30%. It's not going to get you anywhere. And you got to be a lot better this weekend. I'll dive into the Yotes on Friday. Yeah. Just the fact that, hundred percent that you got to be better in those moments. You have a championship defense. You need to start playing like a championship offense. Like we thought, whether that's Deontay healthy, Romero healthy, maybe it can all come together here for those final three games. Yes. You'll talk about that at the end of the week. And I think we might, because we know basketball seasons ahead a week from today, we might do this recap of the coyotes on Sunday. I will be able to do that. Uh, 
So we might do it that day potentially because I hate to push it off to the rest of that week with basketball and everything. So we might do it on that. So expect that, but expect Noah's solo episode on Friday. No doubt about it. And a massive, massive game. Big of the year for Nick Malone. No alerts. Until Noah sees you guys on Fridays, I'll see you maybe on Sunday. Go Ducks.